Hello, this is Beyond the Bell with WASTA, Wisconsin's hub for professional development for anyone working in out-of-school time programs and youth-serving organizations. It's our mission to help you provide the highest quality care to children and their families. If you wish you had an extra tool going into programming to help guide behaviors in a productive way, wish you knew more about how to provide the whole family with support, or you want to enhance your own well-being, then this is the home for you. We know what it's like to feel like you never have enough time or resources to meet everyone's needs, and we're here to support you through the challenges. Stay tuned as we explore new ideas and strategies that you can use right away. Rachel Sharon, Health Educator with Marshfield Clinic Health System Center for Community Health Advancement and Wisconsin Out of School Time Alliance. We're excited you're listening today to our conversation with Rachel Dieterding. Rachel is a youth development professional with over a decade of experience supporting youth and families in after-school programs, community social work, and public elementary schools. She's currently a community school resource coordinator at Lakeview Elementary School in Madison Metropolitan School District. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, nice to thank you for having me. So throughout our learning series on the whole child, whole family, and the social determinants of health that we've been covering, we've identified that both risk factors and solutions are really multidimensional and very complex. So that means it can be hard to help those working in out-of-school time arena help families navigate all these resources. But it also means that even the small efforts that we can have or that we make can have these ripple effects into positive impacts. And a walking school bus is a really great example of that. So thanks for talking to us about that today. So first, will you tell us a little bit about what a walking school bus is and how you coordinate it? Sure. So this is the third year that I've coordinated a walking school bus program for uh, Lakeview Elementary students. And the concept is pretty simple. It's basically gathering a group of students to walk from a location or multiple locations, usually their home um, in our case, and then getting them to school on time. Um, I've also coordinated a walking school bus for the after school programs that I've worked at as well, where we have gathered kids at the school and then drop them off along a walking route to their home safely. And as of this school year at Lakeview, we walk between 40 and 50 students to school every morning, and we gather kids at a community center that's part of a low-income housing complex, and then we walk together to school at the same time every day. So it's a consistent service that students and families and staff can depend on to get their children and students to school safely and on time and ready for learning. Previously, when I worked for the after-school program and we coordinated a walking school bus, we did this because we lost funding for our bus. So we had to be creative in how we we're able to encourage participation in the program and get students from our program location to their homes safely at night. Yeah, you started off saying how this is really kind of a simple concept, but it seems revolutionary in a lot of ways. And you mentioned the creativity that comes into this. So the fact that you can get that many people moved from A to B with very few resources is truly amazing. And it sounds like it takes some logistical coordination, but that it really is an efficient way to do things. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the biggest benefits that you see for kids as part of this walking school bus? Yeah, there are a lot of benefits that we see for students. So I think first and foremost, in terms of our walking school bus that we do during the school day to start our day, it's a great way for kids to start their day using an active mode of transportation as they walk to school. 
kids are also starting their day in nature and enjoying the weather outside. Like on our walking route, we were intentional about having a quieter walking route. So we avoid major streets. Kids get to see like mature trees and birds and it's really peaceful in the neighborhood. And um, it just helps our kids like ease their way into their day at school. Safety is another huge benefit. You know, we have a group of trusted adults that walk with that large of a group of kids. Um, It helps our students ensure that everyone's being like physically and emotionally safe with each other. We also make sure that students are following pedestrian safety rules. And prior to starting the walking school bus, like a big fear from both our families and our students was being hassled by adults in the neighborhood while they were commuting to and from school. So having adult supervision and guidance during that time helps our kids feel safe. And it also allows us to be proactive and prevent like potentially unsafe situations from happening in the neighborhood as the kids are out. And then I think another huge benefit is just that it's a time for supporting social and emotional learning for students. For our morning walking school bus, It's a way that we can build rapport and connection between everyone who's participating. So students, family, staff, community volunteers, and even like residents in our neighborhood. So having the time and space to have conversations about what's in a kid's mind or what questions they might have in their heart on that particular morning, playing little games. We do, I spy a lot with our younger kids, kind of help them with language development and just something to do to pass the time. And then we have elders and pets who live in our, along our walking route to school that, you know, kids wave to every morning. It's a part of their morning routine. I just think all of these things, these little things add up to big things and it gives our kids a sense of community and it helps them to understand how they fit into the world. Um, And I think this is really especially important post-COVID as we're rebuilding those social networks and we're starting to return to more traditional ways of socializing after many people have spent a lot of time feeling isolated or only interacting with peers or teachers through a screen. Yeah, this is why this is such a powerful example. To quote you back, it's how they fit into the world. These kids are figuring out. So yes, we're we're solving a logistical thing, making sure kids are getting from one place to another, but it's truly having this like multiplier effect. And I think it's interesting because in out of school time, we always talk about transitions, like don't have too many of them, make sure that you're using your time, that you've got different things and really trying to use that as a time to learn social emotional learning skills and have activities planned and making the most of those transitions. So that's really kind of what you're doing here, but just at a larger scale is like using that as an opportunity to really develop these kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that last, just thinking about the transitions and like small moments in a kid's day to build up their social emotional skills. Yeah. I mean, after school is a great opportunity to be able to do that. And this walking school bus concept, like we were focusing more on like How do we make it convenient for students and families to get to and from school? How can we solve chronic attendance problems? But the social emotional learning aspect of it was kind of an unexpected benefit for us. But it's been really powerful. It almost seems like anything a program does to help with a social determinant of health, whether it's transportation or food security, things like that, that it'll have, it'll solve some of these isolation problems too and bring people together just by the nature of it. Yeah, absolutely. So what about the benefits for caregivers? Yeah, so the benefits for caregivers, like families and program staff, I think are really similar to some of the things I already mentioned for kids. But I have a couple of additions too. So like in the case of our walking school bus, uh, we have a lot of staff member support. And one of like the small benefits is, you know, we've organized our budget in a way to be able to compensate our staff members for their time outside of their normal working hours. And of course, we have many staff who would likely do this for free anyway, but just acknowledging that like this takes extra time and effort 
and we appreciate you for it is really important. And then also the consistency of knowing that like every day we're doing the same routine of walking kids to school is like a big added bonus for our families, many of whom have kids who are younger than school age at home, which makes it tricky to sometimes to get their school age child to school. And, you know, a lot of our families work a lot or they might not have friends or family in the area to be able to help with transportation needs. So that consistency has been really important for our families. And also just that touch point with staff members, like school staff members, like it matters to families when they see you in their neighborhood, when they like see you picking up their kids right outside of their house, like that communicates a level of care and attention that, you know, isn't always obvious if the parent doesn't have a lot of contact with the school or program staff. And it's just, yeah, it's an opportunity to be able to have those natural connections with families and those conversations. And you learn a lot about people and um, maybe they'll be more likely to reach out to you in the future if they need a resource or have a question. Yeah. So, I mean, it really relieves a lot of caregiver burden, just that many fewer things that a caregiver has to worry about getting those kids out the door, but then also having a connecting point. Like there is that friendly face or Mm -hmm. that name that you know, and then going into the school day or the after-school program is that much more approachable and it's easier to do. Yeah, absolutely. So if an after-school program were thinking about creating something like a walking school bus, what kinds of things should they assess or take into consideration? Yeah, there are a lot of things that go into evaluating whether you have the capacity to do walking school bus or thinking ahead about logistics and how you can do it well. So I'll share a few examples of what we've done over the years. So first and foremost, we tried to ground ourselves in attendance data. We wanted to make sure that we weren't creating a program or a service based on an assumption, but actually looking at like the hard numbers of like who is attending and who's not attending and why are they not attending? You know, for an after school program, I would suggest making a list of maybe the director could be a starting point or assistant director, even program staff at a staff meeting, you know, make a list of who's often picked up late and why, or who's having a hard time making it to the program. And then if you don't know why, ask and don't make assumptions, like ask the child, ask the family and make sure you do that with empathy and without judgment. And then I'd also be thinking about making note of where students live who have chronic attendance issues and try to notice any patterns that come up in your investigation, so to speak. And then I also think, you know, an important consideration is focusing like trying to focus on a neighborhood or an apartment complex for maximum impact. Like our first year of walking school bus, we did four different walking routes one day a week around our school. And the four different routes were a lot to manage. And we just didn't see the same impact on our improving our attendance as when we focus on one particular neighborhood. And we picked that neighborhood because we saw the greatest need, both in terms of other resources, but also attendance data. And then we were able to offer the consistency of every day, which really like made a difference for us. Another thing we did is we did a walking audit of potential walking routes. And by walking audit, I mean like physically going out and walking the path that your students will be walking from school to home or vice versa. And I just think you learn so much being in the neighborhood that you just can't really learn without having that experience. Like you could map out a walking route on Google Maps, but like until you actually walk it, you just don't really know what that experience will be. And so when we did our walking audit, like we literally walked around with a clipboard and had a couple of questions that we had already created and we jotted down notes. And so we made a note of any challenges. You know, we made note of like cracked sidewalks or unsafe areas where kids might have to cross the street 
or just other hazards that might be in the way. And then we were able to get in contact with the local police department and we like alerted them to safety issues so that they could start making improvements to some of those areas. And then actually during our walking audit, we ended up changing our walking route and making it slightly longer in order for our students to be able to walk through a quieter, more residential area, rather than originally we had them walking along like a busy six lane road, which was once we walked it, we realized was not the best fit. And then it also helped us think through like a logical pickup point or any stops that we may want to make along that walking route as well. And then for programs, I'd also suggest thinking about like who can be on your team, like what staff members do you have available at the particular time that you're looking to offer the service? Like what volunteers do you already have or who might you be able to recruit? How can you involve families in this? And thinking about people who may enjoy walking or people you may already see walking, you know, their own kids or walking through the neighborhood. And then think ahead about like how you might be able to either compensate your staff for their time or show appreciation for people who are going that extra mile. And then a couple of other things that come to mind for me are thinking about promotion, like how will you promote this opportunity or market it to students or families? Like, are you going to make a flyer? Are you going to do make phone calls and text messages? Are you going to knock on people's doors? Might you consider offering prizes or other incentives for, for participation to get people on board with the idea? And then like once you're going... Think about like how you can do some check-ins about how your first experiences are. Think about like what's going well, what can you improve, how can you learn and grow. And yeah, just like kind of do some continuous improvement work with with the program once you've got it up and going. Rachel, this how-to guide you've basically just laid out for us, it's awesome. I think it might seem a little overwhelming at first for a program that maybe has Mm -hmm. never done anything like this before, but then I'm thinking back to one of the very first things you said, like attendance data, like that can be a really scary word. But then when you explained it, you talked about like, we're just coming together as staff and we're talking about which kids aren't making it every day. And that's information that programs have and they know like the back of their hand. They care about these kids and they have that information. So it's like getting it down in writing or maybe taking an extra step. But a lot of these things is really just enhancing what's already being done. So getting that feedback from families, engaging them, those are things that programs are already doing. So it's just asking these extra questions or getting curious. I I also loved how you were talking about like physically walking in that space and in that environment. Because I don't know if there's ever such a thing as we can walk in someone else's shoes, but how better to get to know the families and the kids we're working with than feeling what it, it feels like to them walking through those spaces. This is amazing. So as a community building expert that you are, what else do you recommend to programs who maybe don't have that ready access to somebody like you? I think a lot of people coming out of this conversation are going to wish like, I wish we had Rachel working with us. (laughs) Um, But what else would you recommend? What advice do you have? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice is that like we are all community building experts. It doesn't matter like what your title is, doesn't matter if you're a program director, program staff, a volunteer, whatever. Like we all have expertise in community building and we all have observation skills, right? So like I think that's a huge starting point for anyone. And we all, yeah, we all have the relationships, some level of relationship built with program participants already. And so I think, you know, even if you don't have ready access to a social worker or other staff, um, but you see needs, number one, trust your observations and make note of them. And then I think like active listening and avoiding assumptions and being an active listener with children and families is really, really important. So like you may notice something 
then like ask people a question. Say, hey, I've noticed this. Is this something that you could use? Have those conversations with people and like try really try to understand what do children and families need and what what resources do they have access to, but maybe they wish would be easier to access and just like hold space to be a sounding board for people to like speak out loud what their hopes and dreams are. Because I think if you if you start with the active listening and like a genuine desire to connect with people, like those conversations will happen organically and naturally. And, you know, I really believe in that power of the power of creating space for people to speak their mind and the power of being present and inviting that connection with other people, because that's how you go from like the spark of an idea to making an idea a reality and really creating resources and connecting people with resources. And then another piece of advice that I have for programs is just don't be afraid to familiarize yourself with community resources, like get to know the neighborhood where you work and get to know the greater community that our children and families live and work in. You know, it could be something as simple as like take a walk around the neighborhood, get to know geographically what is close to your program area, what is present in the neighborhood where our students and families live. And I just think there's so much you can learn from just simply being present in an area. You know, don't be afraid to visit local businesses. Don't be afraid to have conversations with local organizations that are doing work nearby that seems aligned to what your children and families have communicated that they need or that you've noticed they may need. And then I also am a huge fan of, you know, using social media in a way to help people as well. For example, in my role, like I've joined a neighborhood group on Facebook and Nextdoor, and it's a great way to connect with other people in the community, great way to learn about the neighborhood and the resources that exist already. Yeah. All of this is so practical. Like you're talking about being curious, open-minded, just observing. We all have these skills and then only using the tools that we already have. We don't have to start a whole brand new project or we don't have to go out and find a million dollars. A lot of this stuff is feasible just based on the skills we already have and the resources we already have. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big proponent of thinking about the like we all bring gifts to the work that we do, right? And we all have like natural skill sets. And I think it's important for us to recognize that about ourselves and build upon those strengths and also be open to learning from other people as well. Great. I think this is a really nice way to end, Rachel. And you're encouraging everybody to really like follow themselves, follow their intuition, their strengths. And we really appreciate you for lifting up the walking school bus, but also these other ideas for us today. So thank you again for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for those listening in. We hope you leave today with a few more tools in your toolbox. Be sure to visit our website and sign up for our emails where we share information about all of our upcoming professional development opportunities. 